This is Expedition Company Culture. Hi there and good to have you. My name is Ernst and I believe company culture is the main driver to long-term success. In this podcast, we explore different angles to identify, strengthen and share company culture. I talk to people from different sectors and roles about their vision on company culture and together we land on practical tips and advice to help you get the most out of your company culture. Today I have a special guest, Anastasia Kovalenko. She is an employer branding specialist specializing in international employer branding. Run lots of campaigns uh, to bring people in based on culture. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Ernst. Thanks for having me. Yeah, really good to have you here today. When looking at your profile as an employer branding specialist, what do you do? Well, I think as an employer branding specialist, what we're trying to do is really match what does company stand for with... uh, with the people that are the right fit. I always had this uh, love and passion for people. I just didn't know uh, what the profession is called. It's actually maybe starts inside out. So it starts with the culture. Then uh, from there on, you understand what kind of projects, campaigns will attract the, the right candidates for you. What fascinates me about employer branding is how you align things with who you are as a company. So what I see happening a lot in employer branding is that it's a special kind of advertising. So we show only show the perfectness of ourselves. And how do you feel about what's the role of employer branding? Well, I think there's always should be the truth inside any marketing campaign, right? Or any advertisement. Because in the end of the day, uh, you got to sell this amazing story, amazing company, amazing culture. And then the person will come in. And pretty much within the first one, two, three weeks, we'll uh, really understand what this company is all about. And if it's not a fit, then the person will leave. So I think uh, with employer branding, the essence is really not only show the pretty picture, but also tell a true story, putting it by true yeah, employee stories, uh, some success stories, some failures also. So really try to show what is really happening mm-hmm. inside the company rather than just selling Um, Not just people waving their hands in the air and saying, oh, we are awesome and showing what a great ping pong table we have. Yeah, because these days, you know, you also have platforms like Glassdoor um, where you can actually go and read what people think about it, about the company. And um, you can always reach out to one of the employees and say, hey, how is it like? I think it's kind of a small world. So you always hear some rumors or some stories. So what does it worth selling a company as a perfect place if people are going to find out anyways? So you're used to working in international tech-oriented environments. So um, what you see in companies like that, they take pretty good care of their own of their people, make beautiful promises, and well, work in the best offices around and things like that. So how do you discover what's true? How do you also touch upon the not so good things of a company? I think with the fintech companies, with the startups, if you look what they're promising to the candidates, it's pretty much all the same. We are play hard, work hard, get shit done. Uh, we're this amazing environment, as you said, with a ping pong table, with Friday drinks, etc., etc. So uh, how how did we do it in in my previous company? Is um, we actually started talking to people. We just sit down with them and said, "Okay, tell us, tell us how is it like? Tell mm-hmm. us what are the struggles." Um, tell us uh, what are the biggest achievements you did, what is the biggest challenge you overcame, how did you do it, who supported you. And then out of that, you kind of find common grounds or trends 
and uh, you build the story around it. Which you define that, that you basically started with finding the essence of the culture by talking to people. So just keep on asking, okay, what's what do you like? What you don't you like? What do you achieve? Things like that, where you work from a company essence instead of just starting creating content and pushing great stuff out. I think it should always start with uh, who you are as a company, mm -hmm. who you really are as a company. Yeah. What do you believe in? Um, if you believe in, I don't know, transparency or humbleness, how do you prove that? Mm -hmm. Because you can say whatever, the the people that are going to see your company from the outside, they really want to see, not in a fancy video where you're biking around Amsterdam, you know, or this and that, but really what are your proving points within the company, your HR policies, your social events, your training and development mm -hmm. uh, programs, etc., etc. Yeah, I, I would say it's really important to first dig into who we are and what, what do we really do. So basically, you turn it around. So you're saying you start by gathering proof before stating this is who we are. Yeah. And how do you make this connection with, with employees? Because how do you select that person and not the other person? How do you make sure that it's not just an HQ party where headquarters decides, okay, this is who we are and we just push it on to everybody else? Yeah, I think it goes a bit beyond being just an employer branding specialist. You really have to be this uh, this person that feels the people, you know, when uh, you should really, I think you taught me once, just go out there and speak to people. So if you're at a coffee machine or you're you know, just walking around the office, speak to people, talk to them, connect with them, and then uh, build the trust. And uh, they will tell you the true story. It just really be this part of the culture. Don't just be the outsider watching. Mm -hmm. Be be inside a social circle. Does it also mean that you really, really have to believe strongly in the culture as an employer branding specialist? Could you be there? Mm -hmm. Could you work, in, in your opinion, your vision, could you work as an employer branding specialist in a company where you don't really align with the culture? Well, I think no one is 100% <laughs> some company, right? Or some culture or some values. Yeah. Uh, it's great if you are, uh, then it's a perfect match. But I think the, your, your main value should, of course, go in line with your company values. Uh, but again, no one is perfect. And I always say that it's kind of like in a personal relationship, you know, where you accept the person with the good and the bads. Uh, you're honest with yourself and you go along. But... Of course, you have to be the ambassador of the company culture anyhow. So if there's something that you completely goes against your personal values and you feel like this is not the right place for you, then I think you have to make the honest choice uh, because you cannot be the seller or this vibe person if you don't believe in it, of course. Um, but there's never 100% match, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's a good one. It's a really important one because you can only fit so much because at the end you're not looking for clones especially in exactly. the international tech environments you're not looking for people who all believe in the same things also all say the same things yeah. what's the true essence because at some point you need to look at a company and say okay this is a company for me or not how would you translate that into employer branding are there specific stories you won't tell or do tell are you also actively looking for stories that you know will will also defer people from joining the company you work with? So yeah, I think it's actually mostly about, yeah, employer branding is not about attracting people. It's about selecting people that do not fit, I think, in a, you know, in a perfect setting. But these days you always have to be careful with what kind of stories you tell. And at the same time, 
be aware that there's always going to be people who will not be happy, who will have an opinion inside and outside the company about the story that you tell, as long as you know why why you put this ingredient in, right? So I always kind of compare employer branding with a, with a dish. Let's say we have five company values. I don't know, we're making pasta and we know that we need olive oil, garlic, tomatoes, spaghetti, salt, pepper. So there's the main ingredients that we need for the dish, but there's also the, the ingredients that add, add flavor, right? Some spices, salt, pepper, etc., etc. So not everyone likes their dish spicy, for example, but some of them do. Can these people not be a match? Of course not. You just need to know where to add which spice. And yeah. I think it's the same with the employer branding because, of course, there is an employer branding umbrella uh, of, of who we are, what do we believe in, but then you break it down per department, per the job function, um, per candidate, per the, per the perfect candidate that you're looking for. Mm. And then depending on who do you want to attract, you decide what kind of story you're going to tell. If you understand who is your ideal candidate, where these people come from, what's their background, what do they believe in, what's important for them, what's their drivers, what's their motivators. And you understand also at the same time what you're given within the company because you already collected some stories, you're, you're constantly speaking to people, then uh, you can find a puzzle that uh, comes together, right? You're gathering all puzzle, all puzzle pieces and just at, at the moment that you need you just slide them together and it matches. It also means that I can imagine that you sometimes get some pushback from managers because they want somebody hired right now or they want to share something that's personally really important to them, but that's not really adding to the culture. So how do you go with discussions like that? Good question. I think if you do it right and you go from the culture and then you build your employer value proposition and then you have the pillars, right? If we're talking about like the proper framework, then uh, the argument why this works for us and this doesn't comes pretty naturally. But at the same time, I think it's always, and I think you would agree, it's about experimenting. <laughs> I How- certainly agree <laughs> about <laughs> experiments are the foundation of everything you do because uh, um, i think it's about trial and error what kind of content works written video pictures what kind of pictures what kind of people within those videos is it a short video is it a long video is it uh, something related to a job position a specific job position or is it related to culture so it's um i i would always try to approach it with yeah let's try this And uh, then you can always come back saying, we tried, it didn't work, let's try something else. I'm not sure if that answers the question that you I asked, think though. it answers the question pretty well. If I were to summarize what you just said, is it's, 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 not, uh, it's not a religion, this is right or wrong. It is, you're moving in a direction, so you're trying to create a movement of people who have a similar idea how things should be done in the company. Yeah. And, and I think employer branding always evolves, as yeah. well as um, the yeah. culture of the company. As you grow along the way, as um, some people come, others leave, as you move from startup to scale up, your culture changes. Maybe not the fundamentals, but um, it shapes a little bit. What you show, like I can imagine if you um, are a company of 50 people, your employer branding content will look totally different if you're 5,000 people, because in the end, the, the numbers make it bigger or there's yeah. more to be, to, be, to be getting out of there. And you're just becoming more diverse, I think. Um, and then probably as you grow, uh, you grow into different locations uh, within the different cultures that you might not understand that well, uh, from US to Asia to Europe. 
we're all very different um, people, right? So yeah. I think the more you expand worldwide also, it uh, shapes your culture and your essence also in a certain way. And then, of course, you need to readjust it. So I, I would say employer branding is not, as you said, religion. It's not a fixed thing. Uh, it's something that constantly evolves and you have to be aware of it and you you should always try and see, you know, where to add a bit more salt, a bit more <laughs> sugar, lemon, acid, whatever. We were just talking about diversity, especially if you're looking at tech companies, they are pretty much male dominated. How would you... I'm, <laughs> you wouldn't yeah, say. Saying the truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, saying the truth. So, uh, but I at the same time see that there's a need for diversity in those companies as well because they need the different voices and they need the different opinions as well. How would you go about that with employer branding? Because if you're in a male-dominated environment, it's harder to get females in front of your camera or whatever content you're trying to do to show the other side as well. I think it's a very okay. thin line. It again goes to the question of okay how true are you keeping those stories that you tell, right? Because, mm -hmm. again, if it is a company that has majority of uh, white males, then that's our reality. And uh, we don't need to create something else because that's what it is right now. At the same time, if you do see that diversity within your company and you know that it is actually something that is happening, that you have 60 plus nationalities that people speak different languages, that there's microcultures developing within uh, your company. Um, yeah, you have to be, you, it's, a, it's a very thin ice. You have to be very careful because yeah, if then you create a video of a female developer, people will be like, yeah, of course, because it's kind of, that's the hype, you know, women in tech companies have to do it. Or if you show you know, people from different uh, sides of the world in one video, it's almost becomes like a Benetton uh, advertisement. So I, I think here again, it's about staying true and staying real. So yes, we're male dominated. Um, is it um, a historical thing? Is it a cultural thing? Why is that the case? For example, in the Netherlands, I was actually speaking about it with um, one of our female developers, and uh, she's from Ukraine, as I am. And uh, she said that she never experienced this um, discrimination against women in tech before she came to Europe. Ah, okay, uh, yeah. There was not a concept for her back in Ukraine, because in Ukraine, historically speaking, from the Soviet times, there were much more women that would um, have a math degree or uh, like a science degree. And as a result, there is less of a gap between women and men in tech. And she only got familiar with this concept when she moved to Amsterdam or to the Netherlands. And then she started looking at the statistics as well. And I think there is um, only... Um, I, I don't want to say the wrong numbers, but I think there is around 12% of the whole population of, of, of women that actually take um, um, IT degree or math degree or whatever. So, of course, it's um, it's no surprises that there's more men in tech than women. You need to embrace reality as well with topics like this. This is also where you cannot just window dress everything because you need to do something. It needs to be grounded in something. So there needs to be a reality to it. And that's, this is also, I think, one of the biggest tips that we... I think we it comes back to the culture question, right? So why is this the situation in our company? 
do we actually want to attract more uh, women um, in for developers' roles? So again, coming back at the at the fundamental layer of the culture and the what what do we stand for as a company? Is yeah. it really something that we want to be perceived at as? Because that's also like one of the biggest tips. You started with one of the biggest tips from this podcast, I would say. Talk to as many people as you can. Yeah. Because that's the only way that you know, instead of that you say something or have to listen to others. Because underneath, there's also a layer where you need to, that as an employer branding person, you would need to know more about the company than all of the hiring managers that you're talking to. Because you really, really more need than to have... management team, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, you really need to know where are we bullshitting and where are we being genuine. Yeah. And that's a, that's a pretty hard role because at some point you will get pushed back and you need to work with that as well, right? Yeah, exactly. So not only talk to people, but document in a way, I would say. Because then when you're, you know, in a room presenting why employer branding matters or why uh, we need to invest more money into it, you can show the real picture. It's not something that I created or I feel. It's actually what our people feel. And then there's a question, are we attracting the right people if they feel this way? Or are we really who was who the management believe we are and that's always uh, I think, this is the uh, balance that yeah. you need to need, need to find constantly and it might that it sounds like that makes the job awesome as well because it's not just going to the office do your job and go home because this is something that goes beyond for sure right yeah because yeah. it's also a link especially if you're, if you're looking at one of the companies you work with is backbase where you were the owner of the instagram account live at backbase yeah to me when looking at that Instagram account, it was really cool to see because it felt like an internal tool that you were using externally. Was this on purpose or what were your ideas about uh, using? Well, I'm a true lover of Instagram in the first place. Um, so I'm the active user. So, I, <laughs> you know, when you come into job, you just want to enhance the tools that you also enjoy and you know a lot about. Uh, but the reality was we had um, multiple tools. There were... Um, at some point, it was just me, and one person can manage just that amount of tools, and you can create um, different content for that amount of tools. So we made a decision that uh, we're going to let Instagram grow organically, and at some point, it just became almost like an internal comps tool. Uh, where, Because, I mean, if you think about it, why would a person outside of the company follow you on Instagram account unless you are, I don't know, booking because you're talk about traveling or your google just because you're google and you're sexy so in reality people who follow your instagram page corporate instagram page are your employees yeah basically we started sharing content across the world um updating our own employees about what's going on hey this is a halloween party in the u.s office this is a chinese new year in singapore this is what has been happening in amsterdam and eventually what we started to see is that our own employees started using it as a communication tool with us as well. So they would, that's how we um, started gathering the employee-generated content in the first place. People would share pictures, they would uh, put a hashtag, they, or they would tag our page. And um, that's how you get employee-generated content. It's all almost sounds like talking to the employees again, but globally instantly at the same time yeah and it was funny because it all became like a game of people saw the page growing and the content appearing there 
constantly and people are like, yeah, but who's managing the Instagram page? So they were always wondering, it almost became like a quest game of uh, finding out who who's the person that posts it, who are they talking to. On, oh, that's uh, cool. Their... So basically you were turning into like a uh, like fly in the wall. Yeah. Like the Instagram account was the fly in the wall that yeah. saw and heard everything, and everything that was worth no, that was noteworthy yeah. would be would be shared there. And I think in general, Instagram has so many. Um, you can see that I'm really into Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, they have so many things to offer. You can do questionnaires. Um, you can see what people think about this or that. Let's say, oh, we want to throw this event. What do you think about it? Or um, how do you felt about this? And then now you're also able to upload longer videos, longer than a minute. So that also allows you to create different type of content. I think stories at some point were also just a great tool to showcase yeah. the events that are happening. And then you have the highlights that you can always save there. And many people, actually, many candidates that are talking to recruiters, they often mention Instagram page and they say, oh, it looks super cool. We can actually kind of step into the life yeah. and back base and see what it's like who are our colleagues what are they up to get a feel so, this is like yeah. how you bring the trueness outside as well yeah because there's no um it's not polished it's not something where you're yeah exactly yeah so we also it was a bit of a choice that we made that uh, we're not gonna we will take all the pictures with our iphones or like smartphones um, it would not be like a Photoshop thing. Um, that's that's a choice that you made before doing it. You, yeah. you said, okay, this is, this is our rules of engagement. So this is yeah. also, I think this is really important for listeners as well. Another tip, I should get a jingle for tips, uh, <laughs> is where you just, before you start using it, think about the rules of engagement. It's a tool for employees that we use externally. Yeah. So there needs to have it needs to have a certain level of roughness, and everybody needs to agree on the fact that photos posted to our Instagram don't have to be beautiful. Yeah, they can be beautiful. They have to be real. Re realness over beautifulness, and yeah. there can be things in there that's not that's a bit ugly or the truths that are less convenient. Yeah, and it was also always a bit of a um, growing engagement tool for us as well, because then. Your employees can easily reshare something or they tag you. So it's also like a bit of an increasing, not engagement, but awareness yeah. about this back base. I also hear a lot of, of my friends say, oh, it looks like a super cool company. Uh, and that's something so that's the effect that you want to create. Yeah, yeah. But it's also, and that's another really good tip, I would say, stick to, uh, stick to programs and tools that you feel comfortable with. Yeah. Is where sure. you need and, not, and don't go riding on the hypes of every hot new thing that's out there right now, yeah. especially because since there's so many employer branding teams of one out there, yeah, yeah, it is you need to be comfortable with the tool that you're using for sure. And um, I think it also it depends a bit, right? Because it also depends where employer branding is placed mm -hmm. within the company is it within marketing, is it within communications team, is it within recruitment? Um, Where should it be placed considering you? Is it a marketing uh, department? Is it a communications department, an HR department, a recruitment department? Because th th there's lots of discussions on this all the time, right? Yeah, I think it's a very good question. And I think there's no right or wrong again. I think it depends a lot on uh, what company values are, their beliefs are. Yeah, and it depends on the company structure, I think. Uh, but I almost feel it, it should be like a work group. Uh, where employer branding is kind of in the lead and then 
you gather together people from HR, people from marketing, from internal comms, whatever. Because they need to be people. all in there. It doesn't really matter where it sits, the, the actual yeah. employer branding department, as long as the, the yeah. employer branding team has access to all different expertise because they need them all. Exactly. You cannot Employee build employer branding without programs. HR or without comms or without marketing or without, yeah. obviously, the people. For sure not. Because cool. then you need to align your overall corporate branding with marketing. You need to speak in HR about the upcoming events or upcoming policies. Um, yeah, it's almost like a linking pin. So that people actually understand what you do as an employer branding specialist. Yeah. So that they that you're able to sell your own job before you sell the jobs of your company. Exactly, for sure. Cool. And um, not even understand what you do, but what is the value that you add? What people can turn to you for? I think that's very important to settle prior to anything else. That sounds like an awesome tip to end this episode with thank you so much thank you cool to have you today um to our listeners do you have any questions feel free to drop me a line happy to take any questions or uh, do you have any suggestions for guests or topics that we should cover let me know and uh, we'll see you again next time